want to remind you that if you're going through a, a wilderness experience right now, God said he would never leave you or forsake you. He's with you in that wilderness experience. So keep pressing in. Keep shutting yourself away with the Lord and seeking his face. He said he would never leave you or forsake you. like the Holy Spirit showed me tonight is someone's night to get saved. I feel like the Holy Spirit showed me tonight is somebody's night to get saved. I had a vision of the Lord sliding a wedding ring on my finger and I was taken back by the diamond and I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And the Lord pulled up the parable of the soil and I felt like the Lord said it was really easy for me to get captured by the beauty of the ring instead of the symbol of loyalty and covenant and so it's really easy for us to get caught up in emotions and excitement but I feel like the Lord really wants us to rest in his covenant toward us to not be moved by our emotions but he's made covenant with us he's put a ring on our finger for life We're, this word right here kind of <clears throat> is a um, hard word, but I got to give it to you like God gave it to me. And I don't know how many people this retained to, or how many people it's for. But the Father say, you've been going around saying, Father, I'm doing this for you. But he said, actually, you've been serving your flesh. He said, choose today. Who you will serve me, who you will serve, me or your flesh. And he gave me a scripture to go with that. He said, No one can serve two masters. You either hate one and you love the other one. I felt the Lord say that it's through love that people are saved, it's through the love of Jesus. And it's by love we reach other people. And I felt like the Lord was saying that it's time for you to have your testimony that people can see and not just use your words and have no lifestyle to follow it. But it's time to serve people in love and to be able to tell them what Jesus has done for you and not just accept what he's done for you and sit down. But it's time for you to start living it out and being able to tell other people. Um, I want to confirm that. Uh, the Lord said that it's time for you to make a covenant because he laid his life down for you. If you're a co-laborer here and you feel like you have a word tonight, we're going to ask you to come give it up on the microphone, please. I just want to confirm what uh, Miss Altalina said the first time. I felt like God said there's somebody who's looking around at a desolate, a, a desolate wasteland desert that is their lives right now. And they're, they're crying out to God and they're saying, God, how can I survive this? And you see this oasis out towards the end of the desert and you think that it's a mirage. But God says that's not a mirage. That's my presence and that's my joy. Just keep your eyes fixed on that oasis yeah. and I'll bring healing and nourishment and refreshment to you. If you feel like it's you that God is calling to be saved tonight, 
we want you to come forward right now. We have Gabriel Pagan with us tonight from our church in Columbus, one of our churches in Columbus, Love Revolution. He's an associate pastor there, and he's one of the leaders of the Freedom March. And they're seeing a lot of uh, people come out of the gay movement because of their taking Jesus into it. Uh, God's really using him with Jeffrey McCall and the others. And it's, just, it's astounding, the move of God that's happening. And uh, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he came. And I believe he's got a fire word for us. And uh, if you will take notes, look in your scriptures, be a good Berean. Uh, and come on, Pastor Gabriel. Y'all give him a hand. Before we start, we're going to have a fire tunnel of Lysol. For everyone with the flu, we have about 13 cans. Just walk through it and get your blessing. Your blessing of cleanliness, which is next to godliness, praise God, or holiness is next to godliness. Oh, well, we're going to have 10 rows of people. Each are going to have a Lysol can. They're just going to hold you and spray you, and you walk by praying in the Holy Ghost, and it's healing all the way through. Praise God. Papa Ballard called me a few days ago. He said, son, I want to let you know it's your time. And I want you to come back and preach. And I said, oh, snap. This is the scariest thing of my life. He is intense. He had called me that morning, but due to sinus issues, I was kind of getting my nose cleared out the, the way. So I didn't answer my phone. See? And he said, son, when I call you, I'm calling you. You need to be in the spirit. Be ready. And I was like, I'm not ready, Pastor Ballard. You're like 10 light years ahead of me in the spirit. So I'm excited, and I pressed in. I was like, God, you got to help me, because if I flunk this, I'm doomed. <laughs> Pastor Ballard's going to tell everyone he knows. He's like, that's not assumed loss. So... That's right. I just got to kid a little bit just to break the anxiety off in Jesus' name. So the Lord gave me a phrase, and I feel like it's very key. Um, God speaks to me in very peculiar ways. I picked up that term from Papa Ballard, too. He said, the devil will come after what's in your womb and your fruit when it begins to bloom. The devil will come after what is in your womb and your fruit when it begins to bloom. So if you'll turn with me to Luke 4, I believe. Whew, Holy Ghost. I believe God wants to smash a mindset from the enemy that we easily carry and bring encouragement to our hearts. I feel the anointing of God all over my body, dude. Jesus. 
So Luke 4, we'll start at verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. God. Left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Jesus was full of the Spirit. Okay, this is like one of the most important things you need to get out of this verse. Full, not partial, not waiting on God, but full. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. It is written, man shall, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. I'm trying to breathe and I can't. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do y'all remember what I said of the most important context of the verse? Was that what? Full of the Holy Spirit. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The Lord spoke to me and said that the opportune time is when you're pregnant, spiritually, when you conceive a promise from the Lord, when you receive a work that he starts in you, and when your fruit is blossoming. That's the opportune time. The opportune time for you to be tested and attacked is actually when you're full of the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of times we think, well, I'm going through a wilderness season. I'm weak. Things are dry. You know, I'm just being attacked. You are not being attacked. That's God strengthening your character, strengthening your relationship with him, teaching you how to dig deeper. The same stuff won't always be the same stuff. But when you are receiving from the Lord, when things are good is when you're under attack. And the Lord really wants specifically the people here to understand that. Because, I mean, some people have this paradigm, but for the most part, when you get prophetic words, you're like, dang, here comes the warfare. Because the word is always tested. I want to share this paradigm to speak of pregnancy and fruit, just for you guys to see it, because it's literally a pattern I've seen after getting this, um, I'd say, phrase or impression from the Lord. It's all I could find in Scripture was the only time people were attacked was when they had just been blessed by God. And blessing isn't necessarily um, means of financial. I mean, it could be full range anything. But the moment God puts his hands on your life, that's the opportune moment for the devil to come. 
Go to Revelations 12. Father, I just speak into the airways right now for clarity and open hearts in Jesus' name that nothing will steal this word in Jesus' name. I want you to, to read this with me. A great sign appeared in heaven. Revelations 12, 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to what? Be delivered, give birth, so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Pregnant. And the Lord gave this verse in my mind. Like, I, Chase read it in house church, but we're going through the book of Revelation. And in my mind, I was like, okay, he's just speaking of, like, you know, the prophetic aspect of Revelation. But the principle never stuck out to me until now. Many of you are pregnant with promise and purpose. And that's why the fire is so hot. And I hear the Lord saying, do not be surprised by this fiery trial as if some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as it's happening to your brothers around the world. Better yet, in your fellowship. <laughs> the flu, all this stuff, sickness, financial attack, um, feeling drained, fatigue. I'll get to why the enemy's upset with that as we carry on with this verse. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. Your enemy is not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the power I mean, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. My God, they have triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, there's such, there, you need to get this. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, not in the sense of the fact necessarily that he was only defeated, but also because he knows that his time is short. Affliction and suffering is but a time. 
And when the, the seed inside you is formed into Christ and you grow into Christ, that's what he's afraid of. Every prophetic word is to push you into emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, obedience, becoming a bond slave, exactly these things. And because he knows he can only try you and press you for a short time, the fury feels unbearable. But I'm here to tell you by the spirit of the Lord, his time is short. And to stand firm. This speaks of receiving prophetic promise, receiving understanding of what Jesus, this, uh, the king of kings, the king of our kingdom, what we're ambassadors for. That was an opportune time. But the next one is what? The devil will come after what's in your womb and your fruit when it begins to bloom. Go to Song of Songs with me, chapter 2, verse 14. Okay, you guys there? Okay, if you guys are there, say Yeshua. Yeshua. Glory. That's right. Verse 14, my dove in the clefts of the rock in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. You know, it always talks about who will ascend the mountain of the Lord, those with clean hands and a pure heart. This speaks of intimacy, progressive intimacy, holiness, you know, growing into like a fruitful place of walking with the Lord. So that's what this part is speaking of. Mountainside refers to that all throughout Scripture. It's the same thing. But check out verse 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, are vineyards that what? Wow, right? Do you know foxes only eat fruit in the spring and summer? And their whole appetite is completely different. And what they eat, their diet is like bugs, unclean things the rest of the year. I feel like the Lord is saying, the enemy knows the opportune time of when to come after your fruit. It's a seasonal thing. It's a familiar spirit. And it always feels like a strange thing happening. Why is this coming up? Why am I dealing with these temptations? Where is this lust coming from? Where is this thing? Beloved, it is just a familiar spirit. You don't have to keep getting healing. You're healed. Now walk in your authority. You have to get to a place to be able to discern what's on the inside of you and what's on the outside. And some things are familiar, but the enemy wants you to think you're permanently spiritually crippled. You have a, a bent that can't be overcome by the cross. But it's not true. The truth is, she and her intimacy, well, it's actually he, I believe. Jesus prophetically is saying to us, catch the foxes that ruin our vineyard. It's not the, it's not the woman saying, Jesus, save me from our temptation. 
Stop asking God to get rid of temptation. Stop asking God to get rid of the pressure and take authority. Because he's, re- he's releasing responsibility back onto the bride and, says, and saying, catch the things that ruin your love for me. Catch the things that take your time. Catch the things that take your focus. Catch the things that take your mind. You know, it was so crazy. I was sitting here in worship, and it was so, like, in tune with the Spirit. Because when you were singing, um, like, I will rest in your promises, I could feel my natural mind start obsessing and start being like, Lord, I want to connect with your presence. I want to get closer. Like, what am I carrying? What am I doing? And I'm doing all this stuff. And then the Lord said, worship isn't like a mind matter. And to let your heart do the talking. And so I was like, wow, okay. And as I'm sitting there, it was like the Lord began to show me a lot of times that, um, at least specifically for me, that's a moment where, I'm allowing a fox, so to speak. I'm allowing my, my frustrations and my things take my love for the Lord. And him saying, loving me isn't a mental thing. You can actually let your heart lead you in your love for me. And a lot of times we don't trust. So we go by these weird principles or we'll go by like a key or a 10 prophetic decrees or little models that we learn. And it's as simple as love, your love for the Lord, as weak as it may feel, is strong enough if you can just confess, Jesus, I love you, and I'm weak, but I'm giving you my heart, don't worry about the state of your mind. Like, don't get into the, the, the treadmill. Just love. Like, my mind, even in that moment, I just felt to go, shoop, and the presence was like, boom, like a bass drop. And I was just like, not really like that, but that's the best way to look at it. It just dropped on me, you know? There's moments where you just feel the heavy presence, the nearness of Jesus, Sometimes it's a heart battle. Is your love for him strong enough? As weak as it may feel, the word said that it was in bloom. You can't judge. You're not the vine dresser, so you can't say how good your fruit is. And in that, I think sometimes we criticize our own fruit and we diagnose it as unhealthy when the Lord is proud of it. This isn't mature enough. This isn't have enough zeal. This isn't holy enough. But the Lord saw the heart. And obedience is better than sacrifice. And it was in, there, was an, there was an encounter. And I'm going to be really transparent because I feel it. Um, so I'm just going to share. I had a relapse with pornography. Not recently but in the past couple of years, and I overcame a a mental thing in my mind where I daily about 30 to 40 times had intrusive thoughts of what if I killed myself? And I was doing every kind of sozo you can imagine. That was not a spirit. That was me and my mind developing, me learning how to take authority over my mind, me being able to feel pain and not do this whole fight or flight deal and being like, I'm triggered, God. I can only worship in capacity of my triggers. Please help. God was like, I'm not going to heal you of this until you develop through it. So in that, um, I had a moment where I relapsed. 
Now, I say this suicidal thought part because I overcame that, but when I had relapsed, I felt the same anxiety, and I felt like this familiar thing was still here. That mindset was right there, like, God, you know, when I relapsed with pornography, I was like, God, like, honestly, I just broke, and I said, what's keeping me from killing myself? What's really keeping me? Because all these people look to me, and they look up to me, and I failed, And if they saw me behind closed doors, they would think I'm not the hero they believe in or this person. They wouldn't see that in me. I said, you know, why won't you just let me kill myself? And I heard the voice of Jesus Christ say to me, son, that is because progress is being made. Okay, so I go in my logical, rationalizing, debating mindset, because that's just my natural man, God, how can you say progress is being made? I just failed you. And not only did I fail you, I binged. I went like, here's a line. I like jumped over it without even thinking about it. And the Lord immediately took me into a vision. And I saw myself acting out right before I fell. And in the scene, there's like this blanket over my head. There's, a, there's like a, a computer screen. And you, can see, you know what's going on. But Jesus is sitting right next to me on the bed. And he's letting me hear my thoughts. And while I was falling, I literally hear myself saying, Jesus, please forgive me. I don't want to be here. Please forgive me. I'm sorry I'm doing this. And he said, son, don't you ever think these kind of prayers don't matter to me. When you fall and you're still asking me, when you're reaching for me because your love is weak. He said, son, I know when your desires are changing. And the only reason you give yourself over this is because you believe you're a failure. Sometimes the need isn't necessarily, you know, what sin can give you. You have to allow God to identify you as his beloved in your weakness. That is where when your fruit is in bloom, God is establishing you as his beloved. And that's the moment where foxes come. Because in my weakness, God was proud to reveal himself as strong on my behalf. But my religion would tell me he's ready to say, don't you know the truth? And to bring the gavel down and to expect maturity. But that's not a father. And so often or not, the foxes make us question who we're serving. Our foxes make God become a boss instead of a father. And we're more prone to pick up a religious leaven. And I'm not saying that holiness is religious. Don't get me wrong. But the motive is more damage control versus intimacy. The foxes. What are the foxes in your life? Are you tired because these things that God has promised you haven't taken place? And then you start noticing somebody in your family is always sick. They haven't reached a place of maturity. They're still toting the same trauma. They're still identifying with their rejection. They're still identifying with the stuff. And it just comes in and consumes you with frustration. That'll happen when you start growing in love for Jesus. You'll be so much more aware of what what ticks you off, what makes you want to freak out. But Jesus says, catch the foxes that ruin our vineyard. And what's the fruit? Peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control. And when those things are cultivated, it's always like the crazy people come. 
The devil will come after what's in your womb and your fruit when it begins to bloom. I want you to turn with me to Genesis 1. It's been this way since the beginning of time. Genesis 1, verses 28, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. What did God do? He blessed them. Here's an opportune moment. Whenever you think of blessing, just start incorporating suffering. I know that sounds like an unhealthy paradigm, but associate blessing with suffering. Testing, strange trials, fiery ordeals, because that, we think blessing in the American sense, not the spiritual sense. We think blessing as, I don't have to deal with unhealthy people for the next seven months because God gave me a word about peace. Go to church. (laughs) There you go. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. They were blessed and commissioned. Let's go over to Genesis 3, 1. As soon as that happens, you know, it goes on to another account um, in more detail, but then it goes to what? The fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He brought up a blessing. The very thing that God said, I want you to take over this. This is yours. Work on it. Put your heart in it. Subdue it. But God isn't really who he says in the midst of that. Blessing. Then what happens? She eats it, obvi. And the guy sitting next to her was just like, oh, God didn't just tell me this three days ago. I'm going to eat it too. And then what happens? Immediate suffering. Let's go to Genesis 37. (coughs) Let's do verses 1 to 11. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, which was Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in an old age. Favor is not fair. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, so he was blessed, what happened? They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Some of you, the presence of God is on so strong that people will manifest to you in the natural just because, for no reason. They hate you for no reason because of God's favors on you. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Wow. 
He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And in this time, the sun and moon and stars were even, 11 stars were bowing down to me. Um, when he told his fathers, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. I do not for one second believe Joseph had pride in him, but he was just excited that the Lord was speaking to him. He's too young. His brothers could have handled pride better. But because he had a blessed dream and a promise from God, immediate suffering came for him and testing of that. It's the same thing. The devil will come after what's in your womb and your fruit when it begins to bloom. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter 4. Praise God, we got some scripture. First Peter is like the book of my like peaceful mind. If you ever struggle with anxiety, just read 1 Peter 1. There's nothing more beautiful than hearing um, the verse where it talks about, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Beautiful. Okay, but chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because why? Whoever suffers in the body is what? Is done with sin. What if I told you the fury of the devil is your breakthrough from sin? What if I told you that same suffering and that same testing forms in you a desire to live just all in, where you're so sick of it? Why? They do not live because of the mindset of Christ, taking on the mind of Christ. They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Some of you have to suffer so you can mature. Some of your sin patterns won't even break off until you face a suffering because it has to, that, that actual devotion, that pure tested faith has to be pressed by unhealthy people, by unfair challenges, because then it separates self from the will of God. And the crucible is, how much more do I care about how I'm being treated than am I am, like, in the will of God? And living by the Spirit. And more often than not, we're always being reproved. We're always being just a little bit adjusted along the way of how we can grow to be more focused on Him than ourselves. That's safe to say. Check this out. I was reading this and I sent this to Abby because um, we usually get together and we have um, with our friend Daniel and y'all know Valerie, um, Joy Bomb, and we usually get together and we just worship or we just, you know, 
hang out. And so I was sending her, I was reading this, and let me see where it's at. Okay, here we go. Such suffering, this is like a study on the same chapter, such suffering enables believers to straighten out their priorities. Sinful desires and practices that once seemed important seem insignificant when one's life is in jeopardy. Serious suffering for Christ advances the progression of sanctification. And that stuck out to me. It is when I'm stressed. It's when I face persecution. It's when I have these things, the growing pains of Christ growing in me, that I can stop desiring pornography because God is actually doing something in me that is worth more than gold. First Peter says your faith is worth much more than gold refined by fire. So in, in, all, in all the midst of what's going on and the pressure and even the strange ordeals from the enemy, What's happening inside me matters more to God. And the enemy can't take that. And what happens is, is when that faith forms into a substance, it crushes and bruises his head even more. It manifests sons of God, like it says in Romans 8, proclaiming the kingdom of our God. And he knows his time is short. He can only frazzle you for a moment until that thing gets formed in you. Until you stop living for yourself and he squeezes you and Jesus comes out. He can only push you up against the wall so much until you freak out. You know what I mean? Like when bill collectors keep calling you and you're like, I'm not, and, 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 and they call you and you're like, I don't have the money. You just snap one day. Maybe just me. But <laughs> there comes a point where you snap and you snap out of self-reliance you snap out of immaturity and you choose to just dive into the spirit. You dive into that reservoir that's been built by pain and suffering, by the unfair things which manifest an anointing that crushes the yoke. It is in that pressure that you have a deliverance. It's in that pressure that you get healed. And nobody can lay your hands on you and give you that. That is an outside circumstantial breakthrough. Okay? I want to read something because how do we handle the enemy coming after what's in the womb? Don't none of y'all pregnant people freak out and be like, he's coming after my baby. Y'all, don't get hyper-spiritual. Like, please. It's just a principle. We see suffering forms faith and substance in us to free us from sin. So we lean into the trouble, not run from it. We lean into God when we feel like we're about to lose everything. We lean in more versus try to figure it out in our mind versus asking for a prophetic word. We lean in, and there we get a backbone. Number two, verse seven, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. You know, I never read this verse, but actually if our mind isn't sober, we can't pray. Because if our mind is so full of the circumstance, we're just going to talk to God about the circumstance instead of praying. We're, we'll be asking like, God, what are you saying about this? Versus I take authority over that thing in us that we're like, I wish I was on fire like I used to. That thing is in you if you're sober. 
that awareness of identity is in you when you're sober. So if you're letting your emotions control you, you're not going to pray. And you can talk about your stuff, but you're not praying from a place of authority. And I say this as somebody who has done that like my whole walk. I'm not fully formed in that. I'm saying it because Jesus told it to me to tell to y'all so we can all hold each other accountable. When you start becoming so obsessed with your circumstance, ask God to guard your heart. Be aware of the condition of your mind. Are we literally talking about our problems more than we have seen testimony? We should pull more on faith, more on testimony to have the right mindset to be able to look at it and not let it affect our inner world. Now, that sounds like Christianese where it's like, well, you know, you have to be able to feel. God wants you to feel your real emotions. I'm not saying you live ignorant of reality. You can grieve. There's space for that. You know, when God says for us to enter into like little, the kingdom like little children, children complain. They just are dependent, and they nag until they get their way. But they're dependent. As a child of God, you have space to complain into him. But then you depend. You rely. You shift the mindset. There's there's space for you to be human, but that's also the same space to get back up and to have faith. Does that make sense? Children aren't perfect. Um, I have a video of Elijah on Christmas We took away his uh, tractor because we had to charge it, and he had a full-blown meltdown. And I can show you guys, children are not perfect. He, like, "Ah!" like, full-on dragon mode. But in that, I want to go back to that. We have space to feel, like, frustration and all that, but the focus should be to get our mind back to what we know God has already done and what he said he's going to do. And we can't comfort immaturity. We can't comfort like, yeah, you you have to feel that way. So much so that when we bring up the word, I just need someone to listen. No, you don't. You need to get realigned now. There's a season and there's there's a period and there's a window of expressing discomfort. But discomfort can't be the, the behavioral pattern. So for us, we have to learn when the enemy is trying us and when that pressure comes, now I need to be sober. Because when I can see and my mind's sober, I'm aware of the foxes that try to come. I'm aware of what's coming after my intimacy with God. I'm telling y'all right now, sometimes I get so busy and I'm like calling people and doing this and they're like, hey, we come here. Hey, we share your testimony. And all this stuff is good, busyness, whatever, fun, cool, whatever. But that only happens when like, I'm like, you know what? I'm about to go pray. You have a call from. I'm like, dude, I'm about to go study my Bible. You have a call from so-and-so. I just want to tell you, I'm going through it. I need a word. It's like the only time Your intimacy with God is distracted is when it's growing, period. If you don't try to read your Bible, nobody will stop you. Like, they're like, dude, come over. Come on, we're going to go eat. Let's go hang out. Come on. Let's go watch all the episodes of Friends or whatever. (laughs) But the moment you set 
time to take care of your vineyard, the foxes will come. Period. If your friend is a fox, point them out and say, stop being a fox. Stop calling me, you know. And for me specifically, I joke around with Abby about it. Every time I set my mind, I'm like, you know what? I actually have a break here. I'm going to go spend time with the Lord. That place is so precious to the Lord. And some of you are like, man, I just want a breakthrough. It's just your intimacy. You don't need a breakthrough. You're fine. You just need to be intimate. You're not heavy. You're not downtrodden. You're just weary, tired. But that, that's not a like, yeah, but it's not like a wound. You're not like, I'm weary. It's like, just get in the presence. It's not going to be there tomorrow. Does that make sense? So when you feel the Lord pulling you, protect it. And now more than ever, and that's not just with feeling the presence. That's understanding the purpose of his presence. Because in his presence, he releases his will. He releases, you know, discernment. And that is in context with the word. And in today's charismatic society, and I'm not saying anybody in here is like that, we just like, I'm so tired, I just need to feel the presence. But no work is done there, and there's no exchange. And that will cripple us. If we put on a soaking sound, but we never talk to God, it's like you sat next to your parents, but you didn't ask them to help you with your student loan. You're not really getting help. So learn how to communicate through your problems with God. Don't just try to feel his presence. Get a word in the word. And stand on it. Amen? Papa, that's all I got. It's a tradition here to throw our shoes at somebody when they really preach the word right. That's tradition saying, you took... It touched my soul. My goodness, Terry. Praise God. That's right. Bring the Lysol. That was very good. Thank you. Very good. Blessing. Come on, Susan. I believe that's wonderful right there. 